you're listening to the Way Community Church Lakeland podcast, where our mission is to reach people with the life-giving message of Jesus Christ, that they might become fully devoted followers of Christ. We hope this message from our weekend service encourages you in your walk with the Lord. And now, here's the message. And I feel like that's such an important lesson for today's culture because it's easy for us to place the ark at church on Sundays and visit him once a week. But the Lord was literally the center of the, of the community. And so the people would live wherever God's spirit resided, uh, pillar by fire by, day, uh, by night and cloud by day. And when God began to move, all more than the million of the people would pack up and begin moving the tabernacle and all of their, their, their tents and poles and village, and they'd go where God went. And this happened uh, again and again. And so this has been the journey of the tabernacle we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks. And today I want to talk about what happened when the tabernacle found a home uh, permanently there amongst Israel. You remember the, I don't know, if you look back over your life, what is some of the greatest decisions you've ever made? Or at least the ones that made the most impact on your life. I, I, I know it's maybe obvious coming from a pastor, but I get emotionally thinking about it. Uh, Jesus was definitely the greatest decision that I've ever made. He's made all the difference in healing in my life and freedom and liberty. But if I, if I, if I wasn't trying to over-spiritualize the moment, a lot of the moments of obedience that I had to things that he asked me to do, I can still calculate today to having the greatest amount of reward when he spoke. So I think about not just when the day that I found the courage to ask Teresa out and the night that the Lord told me I was going to marry her, but I think about even further than that back, like um, the day he told me to go down to the altar and get prayed for. The, the, the effect, the compound effect that that had on my life. The, the, the moment that the Lord, uh, one of the youth pastors uh, in the church that I, I, I come to know the Lord in, came to me and said, hey, I think that God wants you to speak in this sermon competition that we're having in, in, in our district. And that competition changed my life forever. I remember when uh, a pastor named Patsy met me at that competition that I was at and asked if I wanted to, to move to Lakeland, Florida. And um, as I began to pray about that and believe that God was going to move me at the age of 18 years old, the, the uh, effect that that would have on my life. The, some of the greatest decisions you'll ever have, you don't realize it in the moment when you're, when you're choosing to step out and obey God. But I love being a pastor in a church where there's so many people that have obeyed God and moved from out of state. And some of you have had radical decisions where you've had to trust God, move from another community or move from, and, and now you're here among us and we're family. And it's because uh, you obeyed God. I don't know the moments in your life that were rat that caused radical obedience in your life, but I wanted to tell you a story really quick about one of the greatest people in all of scripture and his name is David. And David made a decision in his heart that would be echoed throughout the Old Testament, this very statement. But David was bothered when he first became king. He had this statement six months into him being king. And, uh, and if you would, uh, would you all stand to your feet for the reading of God's word this morning? This is second, or I'm sorry, uh, second Samuel chapter seven. And when David, uh, when King David was settled in his palace, and the Lord had given him rest from all the surrounding enemies. 
The king summoned Nathan the prophet, and he said, Look, David said, I am living in a beautiful cedar palace, but the ark of God is out there in a tent. Nathan replied to the king, Go ahead and do whatever you have in mind, for the Lord is with you. But that same night the Lord said to Nathan, Go and tell my servant David that this is what the Lord has declared. Are you the one to build the house for me to live in? I've never lived in a house from the day that I brought the Israelites out of Egypt until this very day. I have always moved from one place to another with a tent and a tabernacle as my dwelling. Now go and say to my servant David, this is what the Lord of heaven's armies has declared. I took you, David, from tending sheep in a pasture and I selected you to be a leader of my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone, and I have destroyed all your enemies before you. And now I will make your name famous as anyone who is your name as famous as anyone who has ever lived on earth. Furthermore, the Lord declares that He will take and make you. I'm sorry. The Lord declares that He will make you a house, a house for you, a dynasty for kings. And you will die and be buried with your ancestors, but I will raise up one of your descendants, your offspring, and I will make his kingdom strong. Your house and your kingdom will continue before me for all time, and your throne will be secure forever. So Nathan went back to David and told him everything that the Lord had said in this vision. Hey, Jesus, I pray that you would help. Amen. Y'all can have a seat. If I was to rewind this back from the end of this statement back to the beginning of it, you'd see a couple thoughts that I want to just throw out there quick. I have a a large message. Man, I had to fight to get this word with the Lord today for you. I can't even tell you how many, how hard it was to contend for this. But as I look into this, the Lord promised David that he would make his name be remembered forever. And that's exactly what happened as Jesus would be born in the city of David. He would come from the ancestral line of David and David would be the king of all kings of Israel. And and, and as we think about uh, all the things that David's done, he's always been the greatest and the most special, mostly because he's a man after God's own heart. But what I love is the promise here is that he would take and make his children great. He looked at David and said, out of your lineage. He said, David, actually, you're not going to build me a house. Your kids are going to, your son's going to build me a house. And I'm going to take that son and make him great. And I'm going to establish him. And all of your descendants will be great because of this. That's my heart of hearts. Uh, I find myself, whenever my kids are doing any activity, I don't know about you, but I just, I just stare at them. I just, I, I watch so deeply and so intently because my hope is that my kids will be great. We're building a church. And what I realize is uh, that this is way out of our reach, and uh, this is just a little commercial for this. But if I'm really honest, I realize that what we're trying to do is not for me. It's for them. Um, and it's so that they'll have an opportunity to do something significant for Christ. 
And uh, it moves my heart greatly to, to leave something behind for the generations to come. And that's really what God whispered to David. But as you look at this passage, it's littered with so many wonderful things and, and, and that God would promise him. He said, David, I, I raised you up. You were just a shepherd. You were just out there with the sheep. And I made you a leader. I made you significant. Can you think of all the places that God took you from that brought you to where you are today? I mean, I wouldn't be, man, if you only knew me. I, I, I had, uh, I, there was a time in my life when I had four dreadlocks. Dread, dread, yep, four dreadlocks. And uh, just four. Not, not eight, you know, just, I mean, just four. I mean, that's how messed up I was. It'd be different if I had a whole head of them. You spell that out. And the Lord raised me up to be something significant among the nations. I've gone and spoken to over 100,000 people in some assemblies. And I just realized that, Lord, you, you did something so special in me. And he's done something so special in all of you. And I love that the Lord took David and picked him. He wasn't even, King Saul was already king when God went and found David. And he found David because David was a worshiper. He found David on the backside of a mountain singing songs over his sheep. Just, Lord, you have my heart. Lord, you're so good. Lord, you're so faithful. Lord, playing that harp out over the sheep. Lord, find me worshiping you when no one else is around. And that's when he elected him to be king and a great leader. And he always destroyed the enemies before David. But as this would go on, all of this is because David stood in a palace and looked out and wanted something great for the Lord. And he said, I'm in a palace. Courtney said it. I can't believe he said it. it was, this whole service has been littered, uh, what Ted said, with what Courtney, with the songs he said. It was like, this is like all one prophetic word. You'll hear it. You'll see in a minute. And so, Lord, I'm in a palace, and you're in a tent. We got to change that. That was what was in David's heart. We got to make your house greater than mine. And so on that prayer, the Lord said, that's the heart that I'm looking for. David, actually, thanks for making me a house. Let me tell you what I'm going to build for you. Because we seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then everything else will be taken care of. We learn to put God first and foremost in our life. And so some folks that are trying to serve God, that are still doing it with their leftovers, they don't understand what it's like to have the blessing of God on their life. And I just want to encourage you to understand the heart of David and why God put his kiss on David's life. Because David fought and contended to make sure that he would be great. And the Lord said, man, when you put me first, I'm going to put you first, Jack. And he did. And what's crazy is David wasn't the first king. Saul had all the opportunity in the world to do this, and he missed his opportunity. So David has this heart. Lord, I want to build you a house. Today, let's abandon the thought of the church. Let's just talk about building the Lord a house, a place, a space in your home, amongst your kids, amongst your coworkers, amongst your friends. The Lord wants to establish his kingdom everywhere you are at. And so this is the prayer that David had. And the Lord then said, I'm going to make you great. This isn't about you being great, but this is about making God great. And the way that he returns his blessing on you. Now, if I can rewind it back just a second and go to the chapter prior to it. The very first thing that happens after King David is made king, 
So they, they, they crown him to be king in 2 Samuel chapter 6. And his heart is already broken. And I want to just take you there real quick to verse, uh, to, to verse 1, 2 Samuel chapter 6. Then David gathered all the elite troops in Israel, like all the best, 30,000 in all. And he led them to Bala of Judah and to, to bring back the ark of God, which bears the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, who is enthroned between the cherubim. And they placed the ark of God on a new cart and brought it uh, from Abinadab's Ab house. Oh, man, these names, I'm telling you, praise the Lord. Uh, they brought it from, from, from Abidan's house, which is on a hill. And Uzzah and Iowa, uh, Abidah's sons, were guiding the cart as it left the house, carrying the ark of God. So they went, all these troops, 30 30,000 troops showed up at a dude's house and said, hey, we're ready to take the ark. First of all, wow, you, anything else you want? <laughs> you want soup? I'll make you soup, you know? Um, and uh, so they, 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 they get a new cart and they start moving it, uh, carrying the ark of God. Uh, in verse four, carrying the ark of God, uh, Ohio, Ahio walked in front of the ark. David and all the people of Israel were celebrating before the Lord, singing songs and playing all kinds of musical instruments, lars, harps, tabarines, cassinets, and cymbals. But when they arrived at the threshing floor of Nakan, the oxen stumbled, and Uzzah reached out his hand and steadied the ark of God. Uh, but then the Lord's anger aroused on Uzzah, and God struck him dead because of this. So Yuza died right there beside the ark of God. Now, Pastor Tim, I thought this is all like a fun message. It is, man. Um, first thing I want you to know is that the presence of God is powerful. It's powerful. Uh, we see this all throughout the Old Testament. Um, and we see this uh, even today. In the Old Testament, the, the fire of God that stood above the tabernacle was used to, to war off predators, you know, and like fire today in the wilderness would, would keep animals at bay. In the Old Testament, it kept the enemies at bay. They literally used the Ark of the Covenant, which was made of pure gold as uh, it, was, it was filled with power. I mean, it had, the, the, it, it, it had the, the Ten Commandments inside it, and they would use this, like Ted said, as a warfare weapon. It was a strategy. They would often take it with them into battle. Before they crossed over the Jordan River to go to the promised land of Jericho, they, they put it in the Jordan River, and the water began to part, and they walked over on dry land. You have to know that Israel understood that their power was not in their community. It was in the presence of God. And so they used this as a strategy to, to advance in war. They would bring it out when they fought Jericho. They marched it around the city. They, they used it against the Philistines. They would bring this as a, and all the other enemies. They knew the legendary power of the Ark of the Covenant, and they would often give up before the war started because they were terrified of what could happen. And I want you to know there is still power in God's presence today. When I think about this, um, I, I'm seeing right now uh, uh, around the country, there's talk that there's revival is beginning to spread right now in our country. 
And so I, I would encourage you to look some of this up. And, and I would ask you to pray into it. Man, is this real? Is this real? And so the YouTube videos are just powerful. In Asbury, Kentucky right now, a revival started at a college, which largely has been prophesied about that this is where revival is going to start across the country for years and years. Among college students, this is where God moves again and again and again. And there's a hunger that's growing over there. And I'd ask you to check and see if, you, if, if it's for you or not. But what I know is that there's some people like, ah, they're skeptic. And then there's some people like, ah, that's not God. He doesn't do that kind of things. And it really bothers me because when we look at the Old Testament and we read this story about they're carrying the ark of God and David is dancing and all the people are dancing before the Lord and they're shouting and singing music. It's crazy to me that the ark stumbled and dude tries to put his hand to make sure that the, this ark doesn't fall, the ark of the covenant doesn't fall, and he struck dead. And I think when, if we're real, we have a preference for how we think God is supposed to move among us. We are so bound in religion that we can't see God moving like he would move according to scripture. It bothers us and it makes us feel uncomfortable because we prefer structure according to the way we prefer God to move among us. And I just think that that is really dangerous for us to fashion God in a way that, that makes him move according, like it's like we're making God in the image of us. When we have to understand we were made in his image, that he is the Lord and he dictates our steps. And so it, uh, I have to keep going, but I have to stay here. Here's, here's the problem that I have with this. Jason Upton said that any God that can be fashioned or molded is but a shadow of man. And I think the reality is, is that we make religion and define what God cannot do according to our liking. And this is not like God, they're trying to bring the presence of God back and they're singing and dancing and doing everything right. They made a new cart. But you have to understand that God said that no one would touch the ark. No one would go near it. In fact, they weren't allowed to touch the poles that were carrying the ark. And so David mounted it wrong to begin with. There are things that, that we were just supposed to do the right way. And so what happened when this thing tipped, it was because they didn't follow directions to begin with. David never moved the ark of the covenant before. He knew how to sing before the Lord, but he never knew how to touch the power of God. And I'll tell you right now, I don't know how to touch the power of God. I don't want to know how to touch the power of God. I want to be touched by the power of God, but I don't want to get my hands on it. And mostly when revivals happen throughout the nations, it gets messy when people that are in leadership in revival begin to control the move of God. And so revivals are often like born of the Lord and they turn when we get too involved in what's going on. Man ruins everything. Can I get an amen? amen? There's some women here that are like, you dang right. I know, you guys sitting right next to one. All right. Um, so David danced and he sang, and the ark fell and dude died. Let me pick you up here in the next passage. This is verse nine. Are you guys still with me? Why is it important? Because we want God's blessing and God is moving. We believe that God is moving among the nations. Nope, 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 nope. We believe God is moving amongst the nations. 
This is our heart. This is why we pray. This is like what we're going. We want to see you move. And when we know that God's moving, we want to be a part of it. And the problem is, if we just put the ark here on Sunday and come back and visit him next week, that's not like the heart of the, we want to move with God. We want to flow with God. We want to, and so you can't just do it your way. And that's, I think, what went wrong here in this passage as the heart, please understand, the next chapter David is like the man, and God's going to honor him forever. But in his attempt to make sure that the ark comes back to Jerusalem, things went wrong. And so uh, this, uh, in verse 9, now David was afraid of the Lord, and he asked, how can I ever bring the ark of the Lord back into my care? So David decided not to move the ark of the Lord into the city of David. Instead, he took it into the house of, of Odom, Edom, and of Gath. And the ark of the Lord remained there in Odom, Edom's house for three months. And the Lord blessed Odom, Edom, and his entire household. I want you to know where the presence of God is. There is blessing. We see it all through the Old Testament, especially in the journey in the wilderness. Everything that the people needed, God provided. Everything that the people needed, God provided. I'm holding hands with people in our church right now and talking about some folks that are looking for a job and some folks that are in need of a new house and some folks that are in need. And what I can see is that when we obey the Lord, are, are, is God doing what he said he's going to do? And every time these people are like, yes, he is. And they say it with like, I have a need, but he is being faithful. And I want you to know that God's not going to leave you where his blessing is, where his presence is there, his blessing is also. And uh, as, I, as I look throughout the Old Testament, I can see it. Man, even, even in worship settings, like Deb, I want to thank you so much for the way that you are a worship leader. You contend for the presence of God. You think about it, you obsess about it, you want God's presence in your life. And there is not many people that I know like you that aren't interested in singing. And if you're on the worship team, you know Deb. She is watching videos all week long, listening to songs, like focusing and studying God's presence because you're hungry for Jesus. And I love that. And that's why I follow you when you lead. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm very grateful. I'm so thankful that where the presence of God is, uh, anxiety is broken and depression is broken. And I thank God that, that there's, there's reconciliation where, where God is moving. That heavy hearts is taken off. Like, it's happening right here. Like, for some of us, all week long, we just got to get here because we know that, like, there's rest. There's war going on in life. And I think about even through David and Saul. When David was a little boy and Saul was king, spirit of depression that came upon him. And he would call on little David to come in and sing to him and play the harp. And David would play and worship the Lord, and that spirit would leave Saul. And I just want you to know, like, where the presence of God is, there is blessing. And that blessing is God's favor and his goodness upon us. And I'm so thankful that we're in a room where God is moving. And I just try to surrender to it. So this is David he, he, he didn't know what to do. He was upset with the Lord because he tried to do something and it went wrong. I'll tell you right now, I've tried to do things for the Lord before also, and it's gone wrong. And if you're in that place, you're not alone. Welcome to leadership. 
We're going to get it wrong. The problem is how often are you willing to get it right? I love Michael Jordan said, I, 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 failed, I failed again and again and again and again, but I'm not great because of the, I'm, I'm great because I got back up and tried again. And we remember the times that he hit the winning shot and he won the championship and he did these things. It's about learning, like, I want this so bad that I'm willing to get it wrong and then figure out how to get it right. So he didn't respond in his emotion, which parents... Come on, when do you get it wrong? <laughs> when, you, when, you, when you're emotional and you're like, no, I'm going to fix that kid right now. No, no. <laughs> You'll see tomorrow when you're in prayer and you realize. Um, and so, uh, so David went to prayer for three months. He saw that blessing was on Oda Edom's household, and so he went back. Verse 12, then King David was told, the Lord blessed Odom Deem's household and everything that he had because of the ark of God. So David went there and he brought the ark of God from the house of Oda Edom to the city where David and uh, uh, to the city of David with a great celebration. Listen to this, verse 13. Uh, and after the men who were carrying the ark of the Lord had gone six steps, David sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf. And David danced before the Lord with all of his might wearing a priestly garment. So David and all of the people of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouts of joy and with the blowing of a ram's horn. There's a lot here that I got to unpack in very small time. So here's what you got to know. David failed. He had a desire to make sure that the city of David, the city of God, this God, God's, God's community wasn't focused on his palace, but it was focused on the presence of God. Now, please understand the ark is not God, okay? It was just a symbol of his presence, but David wanted that symbol there amongst the community. And when he got it wrong, he figured, I'm going to go and get this right. So the Bible says that he went back and he sacrificed a, a, a bull and a fatted calf every six steps. Now, I went and checked many uh, concordances to figure out if I had this right. And I used to think it was every six paces. But what I've actually learned is that the ark was so heavy that no two men could carry it. And so what they had to do is, is go uh, distances. They would call it a step, but it was actually like, all right, so you guys walk it to the stop sign and then put it down and then someone, and then, well, this team's going to come in and they're going to walk it another couple of steps, but there was multiple of these steps. Does that make sense? And, and so every time that they went six legs, they would stop and sacrifice. But the reason why this is important is because it's good for you to know that when you have something that God is setting your mind to, it's not going to cost us nothing. There's a price for the things that Christ once executed in our life. If you want a quality marriage, there is a sacrifice that you're going to put in to making it great. You're going to fail, you're going to get back up, and you're going to do it again. Amen? If you want quality children, you're going to have to sacrifice your time your money, your resources to make sure that you're developing and discipling and creating character of righteousness inside of them. It, what is it that's in your heart that you want? I know with all of my heart, I just want to see God in my life everywhere. I want to see God amongst my children, amongst my, in my marriage. Like I want God's fingerprint to be on my life. 
And it's not going to happen without sacrifice. And David knew it. He knew he got it wrong the first time, and he knew he's going to get it right the second time. And so the whole, what I love is when Jesus came and died on the cross for us, he carried the cross all the way through the city. There was a, a, a trail of blood that led to Golgotha. And when he died on Golgotha, what happened? The trail from blood from where it started, from where he, got, where he was whipped, was where the Ark of the Covenant was. And that, that oh man, this is good. And that, that robe ripped open, right? The curtain ripped open and the presence of God came out. When Jesus died on the cross, there was a great earthquake, right? Well, to get the ark into the city, it started with a trail of blood going in. And it came with one going out. All to get to us. That'll make sense for you later. I'm sorry I didn't land that plane as well as I will in the second service. I'll get it back. All right, so anyways, uh, here's, here's what you need to know. Uh, what I love is here, it says that David danced with all his might. It said he danced with all his might. Uh, I don't know if y'all know, but Christina is leading a, a dance group here at 3 o'clock right here today. And uh, we're going to dance before the Lord with all their might. Dancing before the Lord is not for women, men. It is really important that we understand that we are passionate people. When I read the Psalms, I see passion. I see real devotion. David was not a foo-fooey kind of guy that like would be a cheerleader on the side of the bucks. Because uh, y'all, uh, I'm, I'm just going to throw that out. So, but David was a man. How do I know that? David killed Goliath. Went up, fought the dude, cut his head off, carried it back to the city. He's a man. The scripture says Saul killed 10,000, but David killed 100,000 men. David was savage. He was a warrior, but he was a warrior that knew where his strength came from. And the problem is there's a lot of us that are trying to bring the ark and the presence of God back to our family, and we're doing it foo-foo, y'all. The Bible says that he like, don't you can't try a little bit. When you're trying to love someone, you're going to have to do it with all of your heart. And I think the problem is, is we love from wounding. Like we got hurt and so we're timid and we're scared and we only want to try this much. David failed and said, no, no, no. I know from a little boy where my calling came from. I know where my strength came from. I know when I fought Goliath, when I went to war against the Philistines. I know what the goodness in my life comes from. And I'm going to contend for the presence of God in my life. Amen. And so the Bible says that he danced with all of his heart. With all of his strength. I love that. Can you imagine him like, yeah, oh boy. Oh. Now maybe he's like raving and stuff. You know? I don't know what he's doing. But it says he danced. And so I, I just think like I want to I, I wanna see a real worship leader. Now what I love is the next part of this line here. I'm out of time. And so you got to know it says that he danced with all of his, his might. But he danced before the Lord with all of his might wearing a priestly garment. Almost every time we read about David in the scripture, we find out that David again is in a role that he was never called to be in. What do you mean? He was just a shepherd. He wasn't called to be caught in in front of his brothers and anointed king of Israel. But because of his heart, you got to step into this role. Hey, there's a giant called Goliath there and, and he's mocking us and no one else wants to go out and fight him. 
And David's like, I'll do, I'll do it. I fought bears and lions before. Fought bears and lions. Not with a rifle. Like, he didn't have an elephant gun. He used, like, a stick. You know what I mean? Like, this guy, another world, I think, you know? And so he just knew who was in him. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And, and so when, when he went to fight Goliath, the Bible says that Saul said, here, put on my armor. That was Saul's war to fight. It wasn't David's. Like, you're the king. You go out there and fight that guy, you know? No, 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 no. Hey, David, yeah, you'll, think, I, you'll be all right. I mean, what, what can go wrong? Right. Ten-foot guy out there. Um, David put on the ephod, which is a priestly garment. He wasn't a priest. He was a king. It wasn't his responsibility to be the priest. But there comes a time in life where we step up and lead and we trust God. And he knew, dude, someone else died trying to do this last time. I'm not going to put anyone else's name on the line. I'm going to lead the people. And he danced and he sang and he worshiped because he wanted the presence of God in his home. And because of that, when he got it back to Israel, to the city of David, and he saw it outside, he said, God, I got to build you a house that's way more glorious than mine. And God said, no, no, David, I'm going to build you a house that's way bigger than, than mine. Like, dude, I'm going to set you up. All of this is going to come through you. I want that. And it comes from someone who contends for the Lord's presence. Can you all bow your heads and close your eyes with me? Um. I want you to know that like some of you don't know what your purpose is or the moment of, of, of clarity where God puts his hand on you and calls you different. But God's calling you to something right now and he's calling you to change. And I think with seven billion people on the planet, everyone is ordinary until the king of kings puts their hand on you. And what he's going to often do is call you out of where you are to do something that you're not capable of doing on your own. And it's often scary. Here today, I believe God is calling some people out of their own season of life to step into unknown. You've been like everyone else. And God's calling you to be different. You've sinned, you've done wrong, you've been ordinary, you've been comfortable. And now he's asking you to worship with all of your might. Every head bowed, every eye closed, if that's you, will you raise your hand? I love you. God bless you, 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 God bless you. I'm just gonna wait a minute and pray. Miss Linda had a prophecy earlier about God's powerful calling on your lives. Ted had a word this morning about the power of our praise. God, I don't want to approach you from a standpoint 
that you're coming. You're holy. I want to know you. I want to follow you. I want to honor you. I want to please you. I want my life to be solely aimed for you. Show me the areas of my life where I'm compromising and help me to live a standard that's worthy of your presence in my home and in my life. I want to build you a palace, God. I want you to live in me. I pray for this revival in Ashbury. Some people here may be on the fence about it. It's okay. I pray that people would be saved, that people would be healed, that people would come to know you. I pray that people would be saved, that people would be healed, and many would come to know you. I pray that people would be saved. I pray that people would be healed, and that people would come to know you. We don't want religion. We want you. Lord, I thank you that you're moving in our church. I thank you that you're moving in our people. We can see the ideas coming together and people standing up and saying, we're excited. I thank you what you're doing in the youth and amongst the kids. We pray for your blessing over those kids. Right now, as they're over there loud and messy and covered in some kind of candy, we just pray that your spirit will touch them. Continue to let the dreams and visions and the prophetic words come from Kids Church. I thank you for the fire and the youth leaders that's being raised up right now amongst our youth, for the conference that they're going to and how you're setting kids apart right now for the rest of their life for your kingdom and your glory. I thank you for the healing that's happening right now in people's marriages, the restoration that's happening right here in this room as you're teaching people how to dream again. That's freedom. And we honor you for it, Lord. Thank you for this place. Thank you that you're moving. Thank you for this day. And I just pray over this people before they leave. That you would give them a clear vision right now of what it looks like to contend for your presence in their homes. I want to build you a palace, God. That you would live thank you for what you're doing. And I bless your church in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us at The Way today. Our prayer is that through a relationship with Jesus, you would know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit us online at thewaylakeland.com or by visiting our Facebook page at The Way Lakeland or Instagram page 
at the Way Church Lake.